And welcome back to another edition of the Champs Corner Podcast featuring Mark Jennings. I'm your host, Drew Champlin. To let everybody know, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, CastBox, and more. Go search Champs Corner. Tell your friends. We had some great listens, uh, listen numbers last week when we had Brian Passing, the radio color analyst of the Alabama basketball team. Two weeks ago, we had at Bama Pro Updates, John Graham, and we're going to be having on more visitors as or yeah, more more guests as uh, as time goes on. But tonight is just Mark Jennings and me. So before we get into the podcast, uh, let me introduce Mark. Uh, how you doing, buddy? Drew, let me just tell you, I just had a fantastic weekend. Uh, it was just a great weekend of football. High school football playoffs start this week, and and I am just excited about what's coming up next month for football. It's one of my favorite times of the year, month of November. And I'm excited to be on your podcast and talk about it. You know it's a favorite time of my week. So I'm doing fantastic, Drew. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Had a chance to just sit back and watch some college football over the weekend. Uh, last week was Halloween, obviously. I believe it was on Wednesday. Did you have a chance to take little Marcus trick-or-treating? He's got to be getting to be about that age right now. Drew, we don't do Halloween in my household. How come? It, it's a pagan holiday first, and I, I'm I have a I'm trying to create a Christian environment for my son Marcus, and I don't want any of those uh, outside dark influences uh, having an effect on him at such a young age. And secondly, uh, we have a huge problem with obesity in this country, and I don't think it's a good signal to send to our youth that to just fill him up with candy and let him let him have as much candy as he want. I don't think that's good for the future of our country to to send that signal. And honestly, I think Halloween's one of the main reasons contributing to our current obesity epidemic. And so we need to honestly I wish that Mr. Trump would ban Halloween. I, I just don't think it's 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 a good holiday. Uh but also selfishly, you know, Marcus is three years old now. He's only a couple years away from getting into some heavy weightlifting uh, to get to prepare his body for his future football career, and I want him to to be free of any contaminants uh, that could be affecting that that performance and him getting ready for his high school football career. And, and so, no, the answer question is no. We don't do Halloween, and honestly, I, I wish that 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 Mr. Trump would just get rid of it altogether. So does this mean there's no candy at all uh, in the Jennings household with you, Mrs. Jennings, and your golf course workers? No, not in my household. If you know if my workers want to have a Snickers or something, you know, I, I, I'm not going to tell them they can't have a Snickers. I just let them know that it negatively affects their performance and their productivity on the golf course. Understandable. Well, speaking of sweets, Alabama is back at home for the last three games of the year. They have Mississippi State on Saturday at 2.30, and then after that it's going to be the Citadel and then the Iron Bowl against Auburn, all at Bryant-Denny Stadium, and this has got to be great for your Dippin' Dots business, right? Well, it, you know, Drew, this is a struggle for me coming up. The weather's getting cooler. I was really hoping for that 11 a.m. kickoff and, and unseasonably warm weather again. I hoped it would stay hot, uh, you know, people close to – the heat exhaustion. Hopefully nobody's hurt, but I, I wish some people would get really hot and, and really look for some refreshment from Dippin' Dots, and that's not going to happen. So I was really hoping for the 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, maybe we can get an early kickoff for the Citadel game at 11 a.m. Uh, you know, maybe the Iron Bowl can be an 11 a.m. kickoff. I don't know how that works. 
I'm not part of the liberal media that determines all that, but uh, I, I, I'm hoping for an, you know some really warm weather, a lot warmer than we typically see in the month of November. May, I was hoping for maybe something like August weather that we would see. So, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of disappointed right now about the kickoff. Yeah, I know a couple uh, last year the LSU game early November it was pre- it was pretty humid for a 7 p.m. kickoff in Tuscaloosa. So I'll be uh, I'll be pulling for you there as well that that business doesn't suffer because it's starting get, to get cooler. But uh, speaking of cooler temperatures, did uh, Friday night uh, Hoover hosted IMG Academy, and IMG obviously has all the big prospects. And I, Mark, I know you had to be there at the Hoover Met, right? Well, I've been looking forward to that game. All year, uh, you know, IMG Academy just full of big-time prospects. But, you know, at the end of the day, I had to do what's best for my family. And as the breadwinner for my son and my wife, I, I decide not to go. Just because it's, it's getting to be such a, a dangerous place at Hoover. Uh, you know, I, you're leaving Hoover at, at you know, walking out of the stadium at 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. Who knows what could happen? At that time, nothing good happens in Hoover when the sun goes down. So I, I decided not to go. And I actually went to, to Baton Rouge for the Alabama LSU game on Friday and drove down and rode down there. Excuse me, I don't drive anywhere. You know that. Rode down there and uh, caught the game Saturday night. Oh, did you catch an Uber or did you get uh, one of your workers to take you? No, I Ubered. I Ubered down. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of expensive Uber trips before and this wasn't. You know, this is expensive, but it wasn't too bad as I had a really nice, pleasant driver. Uh, her name was Lucinda, and so she got me down there pretty safe. She was real nice, and, and, and I enjoyed the conversation for uh, for the time it took to get there. Okay. So before we talk about this Alabama-LSU game, I do need your advice. I am slated to cover – I still cover some high school games for media outlets on Friday nights. I went to Homewood this past weekend or this past Friday. I've got Hoover and Bob Jones at the Hoover Met on Friday, first round of the 7A playoffs. Do you suggest any any how, how can I protect myself at a place like this? I would honestly Drew, it's so bad these days. Can't you just watch it on television and, and write your story there? You know, I'm not totally sure if this game's going to be on TV or not. I haven't checked the listings, uh but what if it's not? I mean, if I've got to go there, I mean, should I just try to follow the game on Twitter? Maybe Drew, you don't have to go there. I mean, honestly, what does your story do? Oh, they need it by 11 p.m. So if the game gets over by 9:30, then maybe I could figure something out. Yeah, I mean, you can get the box score and the drive chart as soon as the game's over. And write something up. You know, so and so had a big game rushing the ball. Defense couldn't stop this guy. Wide receiver had a huge game. You know, it's not it's not hard to put that together, is it? Well, I do have to get some quotes from coaches after the game. You think I should just make them up? Don't they have press conferences? Uh, on the uh, for high school games, you just got to go get them on the field. Yeah, you can just make something up. Okay, well, I'll just. I mean, I know that. Coach Niblett real well. I could, I can give you a quote that sounds like him. Okay, yeah, because I'm, I'm really not looking forward to this. I'm really, I don't know if I need to wear a bulletproof vest or a helmet or do something. Do you own like a that. gun? Uh, I don't, but I, I guess I could uh, find one, find some time this week to get one. Do you own any, any blades, like a long knife or a machete or something? Uh, uh, not a machete, but we do have some kitchen knives. Maybe some nunchucks or something? I might have one of those things, uh, you know, I'd, I'd have to go, I'd have to look deep in my garage and see. I mean, yeah, you got to protect yourself, Drew. I mean, you got a family that, that looks forward to you coming home every night. 
And with you being out there, Hoover, you know, there's probably, you know, like a 70% chance of something happening out there. And you got to be careful. I mean, I'd avoid it if I were you, but I understand that you have a job to do and I respect your 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 work ethic and your grind. But I, I'm just not sure going there is a good idea. Uh, well, I'll, I'll keep all this in, in mind, Mark. Thankfully, I still have a, a full week to figure that out. Do you know anything about these IMG Academy recruits? Are you hearing anything? Because there's a lot that, there's a few big time names that Alabama's involved with. Yeah. Any any, any update you want to share on a couple well, of guys? You know, Trey Sanders is there. He's a big time RB. Uh, I like where Alabama stands with him. Noah Kane's another big offensive lineman uh, there that I, that Alabama's really in on. I think Alabama's a good position for. You know, if signing day were tomorrow, I would expect both of them to sign with Alabama, but. Uh, they're not firm in, in their decision. They haven't made a decision yet. But I like where Alabama stands with both those guys. And, and when sign day gets here, the way things are looking now, it looks like both those guys are be signing with Alabama and Coach Saban. Yeah, I can't wait to break those guys down some more. Hey, if you said you were down on the sideline for the Alabama-LSU game, and, and I wish I had known to look for you on TV, they didn't really show too many of the – they did show Adele Beckham and they showed Leonard Fournette. How, how did you get down there? Well, I Uber down there. I just told you that. No, no. How did you get on the sideline? Oh, I have a good friend with good connection. The LC program, known for a long time. He's a professor at Tulane now. He's one of those real smart guys. Uh, my good friend Jim, Jim uh, he got me tickets to the game. He's a big time. Jim Carville is his name. He got me tickets to the sideline. I got to hang out and catch up with him for a few hours Saturday night. He wasn't real happy with how the game to- turned out. I told him before exactly what was going to happen. He, you know. I think he knew what was going to happen. He just didn't believe me. But uh, I mean, I got it was enjoyable to catch up with uh, with my good friend Jim uh, over those few hours. Carville, huh? Did you guys talk about the uh, upcoming election day? A lot, of, a lot of key elections coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it some, but you know, I've already cast my votes. I've already voted multiple times due to you know due to Alabama's lax polling requirements and ease of registration. I was able to do that multiple times. I'm probably not going to do it again, to be real honest with you. You know, once you vote four or five times, you feel like you voted enough. I've done my civic duty uh, to, to improve the well-being of the state. Uh, but, yeah, so, I, I mean, we talked a little, but no, nothing. I mean, he knows I've already voted four or five times, so he didn't, he didn't really go into it too much. Yeah, you were pretty open about who you voted for in the last presidential election. A big governor's race here with the Republican Kay Ivey and the Democrat Walter Maddox. Any you, you care to share your uh, your insights into this race or who you voted for? I, I'll have a problem sharing with you. I voted for uh, the best governor this state's ever had. And, of course, I'm talking about Jim Folsom. Do you remember Jim Folsom? I wrote him in on all my ballots. Yeah, I think he was the same that guy back after Guy Hunt in the 90s, maybe. That Jim Folsom? That Jim Folsom. Guy Hunt, probably the second best governor Alabama's ever had. Jim Folsom's probably the best one, to be real honest with you. But yeah, I, I always vote for him for governor. Uh, I really liked w- w- the direction he was taking the state, and I know he probably doesn't have much of a chance of winning, but uh, I like to see him back in the governor's office, so I just vote for him every time. Yeah, I don't think he's got much of a chance this time. But let, let's—we've talked enough about politics and and in uh, Halloween and pagan holidays. Let's talk about some recruits. Are you ready for that? Drew, I'm always ready to talk about some big time recruits. Let's get started. All right. So the biggest uh, news: uh, Rashad Cheney announced that he is decommitted. 
He is a defensive tackle from Cedar Grove High School in Georgia. He'd been committed for several months, and and I kind of I'm not terribly surprised by this, Mark. Um, what's uh, what's the insight here? Well, I can't say I'm real surprised with it either. Uh, you know, I watched him play uh, at the Hoover Met against Hewitt Russell, and I really wasn't that impressed with him. You know, Coach Saban likes to get a lot of guys to announce publicly, uh, try to get some momentum for the recruiting class, and and whether they turn out or whether they how much they improve in their senior year determines whether they're going to get to stay. And I don't think he improved enough. And 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 you know, I think that Alabama's in a situation where they have guys above him on their board. Uh, that they like even more. So I can't say this decommitment is a huge surprise. Okay, yeah, I think Alabama's going to probably end up getting somebody that's higher rated down the line, maybe like an Ishmael Sopcher type of guy. Also, Jordan Davis, the freshman defensive end, outside linebacker over at Kapaya Lincoln, I believe that's where he is. He had signed with Alabama out of Memphis, Tennessee last fall. I got a chance to meet him at the opening, wrote a story on him at the regional last year in New Orleans. He had said he was recommitted, then he put a Twitter post, said that he's decommitted, he's going to focus on his grades. So that's a name to maybe to track over the next year or so because he still has another another season in a junior college to do. So I know Alabama likes getting the Juco guys with three years of eligibility if, if they can help it or or a, or a guy who can enroll in the spring. So maybe, maybe Jordan Davis wasn't quite uh, – maybe he wasn't quite on track to do that, but we'll see what happens with him over the next year or so. Mark, going back to the LSU-Alabama game, I know you're back home now. Did you have a chance to watch the replay of it? I did. You know, Drew, I always talk about how you should watch the games with the sound off uh, so you could really learn uh, what's going on in the game. But since I had already watched the game in person, uh, I decided to take a little pleasure for myself and and listen with the sound on, mostly because uh, when it comes to big games and announcing, there's really nobody better than Gary Danielson, and he was really – on his game Saturday night, and it was one of the best announcing performances I've ever heard uh, by a color commentator. So I really did. That was just a pleasure thing for me, a little a little old treat for myself uh, to be able to listen to Gary Danielson. So yeah, I did. I watched. I listened to it with Gary Danielson. He did a fantastic job as always. Yeah, I thought so as well. And he talked a lot about Devin White, the LSU linebacker. He was suspended for the first half because of the uh, college football targeting rule, which has been in effect since. I believe it was 2013. If you get flagged for targeting, you're and, and they review it and uphold it. You're ejected. And if it's in the first half, you miss the rest of that game. If it's in the second half, you miss the first half of the following game. So this happens in late in the Mississippi State game uh, for LSU. He misses the first half. Alabama wins this game, 29 to nothing. And uh, when you see, and we even had several questions to at Mark Jennings 55 on Twitter. Uh, did you see in your film breakdown, did, did you see his absence being a huge factor? Not not really, to be real honest with you. Uh, first off, you know, I know the targeting rules. You don't have to explain them to me, but thank you. Uh, secondly, uh, I didn't see Devin White being a huge factor. Uh, I, you know, LSU has a great secondary, and he's a great player, but you know, in order for him to be a real factor, the LSU offense is going to put some points on the board, and, and no matter – you know, Alabama only needed three points to win that game, and with Devin White in there, he wasn't going to, you know, one guy isn't going to uh, shut down an entire offense. He can help, but you got a lot of great players around you, but he he's just one player, and he wasn't going to be able to do that. So I, I thought the Devin White talk was a little ridiculous. I told my friend uh, Jim Carville this, and he said he knows that he's just doing it for the 
for the pu- for the publicity. So I understood that, but uh, I didn't I didn't understand why that was made. You know, people made it a big deal. I didn't think it was that much of a big deal, and it turned out to be correct. Yeah, Tua Tungavailoa, twenty five of forty two for two hundred ninety five yards. Two passing touchdowns. Did throw his first interception of the season on a deep ball, which was basically just an arm punt. Threw some touchdown passes to Henry Ruggs and to Irv Smith Jr. Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs III, I should say. And then Tua ran for a touchdown, a 44-yard touchdown run in the second half, and that, that was impressive as well. But uh, really the big talk about this game was that the questions and the, the twits that you get, and you clarified this. Um, uh what was Alabama scored their first touchdown and, and missed the extra point. And it was because what appeared to be a, a bad hold, or I don't know if it had anything to do with the snap. You said it didn't. You said Thomas Fletcher's snap was fine. And that Mac Jones, the holder maybe, maybe botched it. What was your breakdown of that? Well, you know, they put, they like having quarterbacks as the holder because quarterbacks are so used to receiving shotgun snaps and, and and the distance from the the snapper to the quarterback is not dissimilar to the distance from the snapper to the holder. So they like having a, a you know a quarterback there to catch the ball. But you know you even look back at the Mac Jones high school film when he was in the shotgun, he he had a lot of problems catching the pass. Uh, whether it's with his hands or it's a lack of concentration or whatever, uh, he he oftentimes struggled uh, with catching the ball in the shotgun snap. And it's pretty easy to look at that and say, well. If he struggles there at his high school, uh, he's probably going to struggle when he gets to college, especially in an environment like Baton Rouge at night when you have you know ninety thousand people screaming at you. So I can't say I was really surprised by by Mac Jones. I th- I think there's a reason that he's he's been the second string holder most of the year. And honestly, I think that that they should put a maybe uh, maybe the punter Bernier back there or somebody else who's, who's used to catching snaps to to be the holder because I, I don't think that. Mac Jones is the answer to that question. Yeah. Hey, and we, we also get stuff like this. You know, when Tua Tungavailoa ran in for that for that touchdown and then he went into the injury tent and then he came out and he seemed to be good as new. He was hobbling a little bit with that right knee. Do you know what, what goes on in that medical tent, you know, specifically with Tua? They have the tent, so the public can't see what, what's being treated. But do you have any insight there? Yeah, well, you know, the the... the Tag of a lot of family. They're very religious and they're they're very faith based family. They're you know the type of type of home that I'm trying to create for my son. That's the type of home they have, and so they go in there and they pray and they they put hands on his knee and and he comes out after that prayer and feels refreshed and ready to go. And that's just the power of faith, Drew. So that's usually what happens when they're in the tent. Interesting. Yeah, he, he comes out good as new. Numerous times. Let's shift over to some basketball because Alabama basketball opens the season against Southern of Baton Rouge on Tuesday night. And this is uh, Alabama had a exhibition win, eighty-two to forty over Montevallo, a Division II school. Uh, usually pretty good. They're picked sixth in the Peach Belt Conference. I think they're still in that conference this year. Really want to give another shout out to Brian Passing who who came on last week and, and talked uh, for most of the podcast with us about basketball and business and more and really brought us a lot of new listeners and so we're gonna have Brian back on at another point after a few games in the season to talk some hoops but um, five guys in double figures all these guys score between ten and twelve points uh, John Petty Jr. with twelve points seven rebounds. The freshman Kyra Lewis Jr. had 10 points off the bench. Herbert Jones, 10. Galen Smith, 11. Alex Reese, 11 off the bench. And 
we can talk a little basketball. And, and Mark, to me, it seems like there's a lot of good individual pieces on this basketball team right now, but trying to fit them together and find the best five and getting Kyra Lewis, who is, I think, clearly the best point guard on this roster, but he's just 17 years old, getting him comfortable and, and playing well, uh, I think that's a key, Mark. Do you have any early impressions? I'm sure you watched the film of this. Yeah, I think that's a very astute point by you, Drew. You know, Coach Johnson spent most of years in the NBA, and, and you know, in the NBA, it's pretty easy for guys to to start playing together with all the practice time they have, and, and all you know, the unlimited practice time they have, uh, and they can mesh pretty easily. But when you come to college, it's a lot of it's on the coach to 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 develop chemistry and get guys to mesh together, and I think that's something that Coach Johnson's really not used to, and. And really going to be something that determines the success of the team this year is how well he can get those guys to work together. You know, I know he used a bunch of different lineups uh, there night. Some of them I liked, some of them I didn't like. Uh, but he's going to have to figure out how to uh, get those guys to play well together. And that's really going to determine the success of the basketball team this year, in my opinion. Yeah, there there was a lot to like about that. I think they really... They overpowered Montevallo. Uh, I thought Alex Reese looked good coming off the bench. He's lost some weight. He, he's uh, he's a big 6'9", 6'10 guy who can shoot the three. And he uh, he scored 11 off the bench and hit three or four threes, had six rebounds, three assists, two steals, one block. That's a good you know, it's a good fantasy line if you're playing DraftKings or something like that. And he played 21 minutes. I'd like to see him get more. You know, Tevin Mag, uh, seven points in 20 minutes. And – you wonder those guys can shoot, and in Alabama's starting lineup, one thing I really maybe kind of have questions about. Uh, they started Herb Jones, Dazon Ingram. They started Ingram at the point. John Petty Jr. and uh, and then Dante Hall and Galen Smith, and neither one of those two guys are going to stretch the floor. So I'm really wondering why why are they playing minutes together when maybe they should be rotating at that at that five position? Because I think both of them are very good players. I just wonder. You know, it seems like a functional Division One team might be up ten to two on Alabama real early with a, with a lineup like that, unless they just also have two bigs. Do you see any uh, any reason for concern w- with a lineup like that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think that that you know Galen Smith and Dante Hall work well together. I don't think they complement each other's games very well. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I just don't think it's a good fit. Uh, you know, they're both down low players. Neither of them has really a mid-range game. Uh, you know, they're both just kind of clogging up the paint down there. And, and you really struggle defensively because the other team goes small. you got, you know, Galen Smith guarding a, a guy that's 6'4", 6'5", and that's that's a problem. So, yeah, I didn't like it, but, you know, this is all about experimentation and see what works. And I think that, you know, Coach Johnson, the smart guy, he's got some smart guys on the staff. They're going to get together and, and, and figure out what works best. And I don't expect to see that lineup getting me- meaningful playing time uh, in any any major game for this team. Yeah, and both of them had good games. You know, Dante Hall, eight points, 11 rebounds, five blocks. Galen Smith, 11 and four with a block. And I'd like, and Galen Smith, to me, looked really good shooting free throws. He was a terrible free throw shooter last year, three of three from the line on Tuesday, and he looks like his body's better too. So really, really looking forward to seeing Galen Smith's improvement. Just really don't want to see him and Hall or him and Giddens playing too many minutes on the floor at the same time, unless another team just happens to go really big. You know, you get guys like Tevin Mack and Alex Reese at the four, and they can stretch it. You know, you got to hope Herb Jones has improved his three-point shot. And then, you know, I didn't really think Dazon Ingram had the best game, but uh, 
you know, not not terrible, you know, five points, five assists, didn't seem to shoot very well. But, you know, you're starting to see, Mark, a lot of guys, There's you see more juniors, more people putting the third, you know, like basketball, you got John Petty Jr. now. I think he was just John Petty last year. Do you like seeing when people put senior, like Lester Cotton Sr., Henry Ruggs third? Do you like seeing the, the surnames or whatever it is? I really do, Drew. I think it's very respectful to their families. Uh, it, you know, it, it's really honors their fathers uh, by putting their their you know their suffix on their jersey, and so every time they're out there, you know, and they they represent where they came from. They represent their families. So I love it, Drew. I wish everybody would do it. To be honest with you, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I wonder how many announcers are going to call him John Petty Jr. I hope they do just to show some respect. And, Mark, a lot of people have asked you, you know, last week with, with Brian Passing, we, we announced, you, you said your comparisons for the walk-ons. You know, Tyler Barnes even got to play and had, had I believe it was four points. Uh, uh, yeah, it was four points, hit a couple of free throws and had a putback. And you compared him to Darius Miles. I thought that was an excellent comparison. You compared Britton Johnson, the other uh, walk-on for this year's class, to Brian Passing himself. Britton Johnson at a Mountain Brook hit a three. Hey, can can we take a go a little lightning round and you can just kind of go over your player comparisons because I know a lot of them we've mentioned on previous podcasts before, but just really want everybody to uh, to hear what your recruit comparison was when they were coming out of high school. Absolutely, this is lightning round, right? I do have my conference call with Mr. Byrne in the morning. Yeah, we'll go real quick. You say whatever you say as much or as little as you want, and then we'll get to some listener questions. So we'll get started. Uh, we we had the podcast before Dante Hall or after Dante Hall signed. Who is his comparison? Dante Hall, you said. Yeah, Pete Chilcutt. Pete Chilcutt, interesting. What about Daniel Giddens? Rick Smith. All right. What about Avery Johnson Jr.? Eddie House. How about Riley Norris? Judd Buchler. Dude, do you know who any of these guys are? Yeah, Judd Buechler played for the Bulls in the mid-90s. And Rick Smith, uh, he's, he's like Danish or something, isn't he? I believe so. Yeah, I remember him. Big big guy, big guy. Uh, what Went about to Marist. Yeah, Marist, I think so. Uh, played a little bit in the NBA, if I remember right. The Red Foxes. Yeah. What What about uh, Dazon Ingram? Kenny Anderson. All right, how about Tevin Mack? Calvert Chaney, one of my favorite players, replaced my my good friend, Coach Bob Knight. Yeah, I remember him. Uh, how about John Petty Jr.? Kyle Corver. Out of Creighton? Yeah, Drew. That, do you know more than one Kyle Corver? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. All right. Uh, what about Herbert Jones? He go Turkoglue. All right. Uh, how about Alex Reese? Matt Bonner. I remember Out that Out of New one. Hampshire. Yeah, I remember that comp as well, and he, he plays just like him. How about Galen Smith? Tyler Zeller. All right, uh, we did talk about him on the podcast. Uh, we did not have the podcast going on when Deontay Wood signed last fall. Uh, what about him? Bruce Bowen. Ah, uh, yeah, great defender. Uh, JV and Davis Fleming, who set out the, the the game on Tuesday with an injury, the big the big freshman. One of my favorite athletes uh, of the past you know, 10, 15 years, Renardo Sidney. Oh, Renardo Sidney, yep. I could definitely see that. You know, he's originally out of Mississippi, just like Fleming. I wonder if they're related. What about uh, Kyra Lewis Jr.? Tony Douglas. All right, and then last of all, Lawson Schaefer. Oh, this was easy. It's the easiest comparison I've ever had. Deion Waiters. Deion Waiters out of Syracuse? That's correct, Drew. 
All right. Well, uh, to wrap up the podcast, we do have some listener questions. So, Mark, why don't you just tell everybody how they can find you on Twitter and on email? Well, you know, I say this every week, but I really do love getting all these questions. They're, they're usually really good questions. There are a couple of bad apples in the bunch occasionally. But uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me on, on Twitter at MarkJennings55. That's one word, at MarkJennings55. Or you can email me. My email address is markbreaksdownfilm at AOL.com. That's one word, markbreaksdownfilm at AOL.com. All right. So our first question comes from a familiar name as of late, Joseph Bolin. He tweets at Mark Jennings 55. Mark, as an avid golfer and a fairly new listener of the podcast, can you talk a little bit more about your golf course and business ventures in the golf industry? Also, do you break down swings of rising junior golfers in the country and recommend them to coach Jay Sewell? I'm sorry, Drew. Can you can you repeat who who the the question is from again? What was that name? Joseph, I believe it's Bolin, B O L E N. I told him never to contact me ever again. He had the most ridiculous question 2 weeks ago about Damian Harris. And I told him never to contact me ever again. Do you do you think he's a little slow, Drew, that he's now ask, asking me again after I told him never to contact me? I don't. I've never met. I mean, what man. what goes into the thought process when someone tells you never talk to you again, and then a week and a, or two weeks later they're at they're trying to talk to you again, Drew? What did that say about that person? I think you tweeted at him. And requested that he never contact you or your family again. I know I did. That's why I'm saying this. Drew, do you know how I can keep people from talking to me on Twitter? Can you figure that out for me? Well, there's two options. Uh, there's the block button, which you can block people from seeing your, your Twitter timeline. I think that might be a little, a little rough. Uh, you also have the mute function where you can find a Twitter handle and you can mute them tweeting at you, but they can still see your expertise. So I can show you offline after the podcast how to do that if you'd like. Is, is there a way to get him off Twitter completely? Is that a possibility? Uh, you can report the tweets. Uh, you can say it's spam or it's abusive or harmful or it's uh, presenting Well, it's definitely abusive or harmful. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's button. spam. There is a button on Twitter that you can use to report. Um, You're going to have to show me how to do that when we when we get off the podcast. Yeah, well, do you want to answer about your golf course? No, I'm not going to answer his question. All right. Well, let's he move on deserve to me. He does not deserve my expertise and analysis of, of golf swings. Yeah, and uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to tell this guy where my golf course was either. So um, we will move on to the next one. And we hear from Jonathan Kingsford, who sends us some great questions every week. And very simple here. Who wins the blue map, the state championship for Alabama 7A football? Well, I'm not in the prognostication business when it comes to, to future results. I leave that to, you know, people like you and the media, Drew. Uh, but, you know, the liberal media in Alabama thinks that 7A football stops at the county line. You know, all they do is talk about Hoover and Mountain Brook and, and – and Thompson, and Hewitt Trust. Well, that's all they ever talk about. But if you go outside of Jefferson County, there are actually some really good football teams, and one of them Central Phoenix City, coached by Jamie Dubose. 
Got a great quarterback on his roster. It's an LSU commit guy by the name of Peter Parrish. They went 10-0 this year. I believe they're the only undefeated team in the state in 7A. Uh, beat Auburn 24-7 last week, if I'm correct. Uh, really been dominating everybody. So I, I, I like them. If you're, if I'm having, if I was a gambling man and I'm not, because I'm a, you know, tr- you know, back to the Christian home thing. I'm trying to develop. I, you know, I don't have. I, I try to limit my vices. But if I were a gambling man, I'd put money on Central Phoenix City, Drew. I think they've got a, uh, they got the best chance out of anybody to come out with the trophy this year. Yeah, uh, Central Phoenix City has a great team. Our next question comes from Ben Moody. He asks, who would you compare Alabama punter Mike Bernier to in your evaluation? He says, that change by Saban, which was replacing Skylar DeLong with Bernier before the Tennessee game. He says, it was just as impressive as the change to Tua in the national championship game. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, Ben. That was, that's, a, that's an excellent uh, thought and excellent analysis. Uh, it, it was just as big of a change as Tua. You know, you got a guy that's struggling back there, a punter, you got to make a change. Uh, and so you turn to this guy who's a walk-on, uh, a grad tra- a transfer uh, from another school comes in, you put him out in the spotlight. That, that's not an easy decision for a coach to make. So I think it, uh, he makes a great point. It was an excellent decision. But when I look at Mike Bernier punt the ball, I look at his mechanics. I look at the, the drop place, I meaning high, how high up from the ground he drops the ball. I look at the torque in his in his kicking leg. I look at his pivot foot, how he plants it. And you put all those things together. He reminds me a lot of a guy out of the state of Oklahoma, uh, out of Tulsa, went to Union High School in Tulsa, which is one of the dominant programs in, in Oklahoma. You know, there's Union and there's Jinx, and they play for the – uh, the big Oklahoma State Championship in football seemingly every year. Uh, but he went to Union, uh, played, played college football at the University of Oklahoma. A guy by the name of, I believe he's in the NFL now, a guy by the name of Tress Way. Do you remember Tress Way? I do vaguely, and I'm not sure if he's in the NFL or not at this stage, but he did, he did kick for a few teams, and uh, I think he was an All-American or close to it back when he punted. So, yeah, I think that's a very accurate comparison. Uh, Tress Way, I'd forgotten about him until uh, until the podcast. But uh, we get to Luke Ferguson emails Mark Breaks Down Film at AOL.com, and he says, if you haven't already talked about him on the podcast, please give us your thoughts on offensive line target. Actually, he's a commitment. Darian Dalcourt from St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. Do you see him as a guard or a center in college? And this is just me adding because uh, he committed when we weren't doing a recording. But do you have a commit? Uh, do you have a comparison for him as well? I do. And I think it's a very good question. You know, uh, guard and center is a lot more inter- interchangeable than, say, tackle and guard. Uh, the, the learning curve is a lot less steep going from guard to center than, say, tackle to guard. So, that's a change that he could make. I think he's a guard right now, but if he learns how to how to snap the ball uh, over the summer and really improves that skill or develops that skill, I think he'll be able to come in and compete with the current freshman at Mill Ekior next season. Uh, so, but right now, as I see him as a guard, but that could certainly change. I don't know what the coaches have planned for him, uh, you know, when he comes in over the summer. But you know, we're going to see how to see how that goes. When I'm looking at a comp for him. Uh, I'm looking at guys, you know, guys who are guards, above average guards, uh, go and have some success in college. You know, guys that come in, don't come in and are immediately all American, but really develop a skill and get a lot better. Uh, one guy I'm thinking of is out of the state of Georgia, uh, 
played in the SEC for a while and transferred out, now plays in the Pac-8. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Dallas Warmack. Do you remember Dallas Warmack, Drew? Yeah, is this the Dallas Warmack whose older brother Chance was a really good player at Alabama? That's correct, Drew. Same same family. They are related. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's a good comparison. It's good to see Dallas Warmack doing so well up at Oregon, earning a starting spot because it was going to be tough for him uh, if he had stayed at Alabama. But yeah, good question, good answer. Paul T. Graham tweets at Mark Jennings fifty five. Mark, as you break down film of the six or eight teams with a shot at selection for the college football playoffs. Which ones do you think could create matchup problems for Alabama? Well, you know, uh, I, you know, I said last year uh, when they were going to release the, the four teams for the playoffs, I said the morning of that that you know I tweeted it out that Ohio State was going to be left out and Alabama was we put in, and I probably shouldn't have tweeted that out. I heard that from my friends in the selection committee. Uh, you know, they were kind of upset about it. That I let that information out so early, but. Uh, they, they've let bygones and bygones, and I, I still talk to them uh, every week or so. And, and I've talked to them. I tell them, you know, uh, it's be- only because it's better. You know, I'm not a fan. It's just better for our podcast if Alabama does well. And I think the scariest matchup for Alabama at this point is definitely uh, the University of Central Florida. Uh, I think that, you know, they've won, what, 20 games in a row now or something. I think Mackenzie Milton's a fantastic quarterback back there. They can really – stretch the field offensively and really pressure a defense, and that's something that Alabama really hasn't faced a lot this year. And the teams that beat Alabama can do that. So honestly, I think that UCF is the is the scariest team for Alabama right now to be real honest with you. And I'm I'm you know I'm I'm downplaying them when I talk to my my friends in the selection committee. I'm telling them, you know I tell them I break down all these film and all these games, and UCF looks the weakest. That's not necessarily true. I just want to keep them out for the benefit of the podcast. So. If, if I'm Coach Saban right now, I'm sweating bullets thinking about having to play UCF in the college football playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and Paul had another question. He says, what was the – he said, uh, was the confusion last night where Tua had to leave for a play but come back in too soon, uh, was that due to the language barrier? Uh, do you know what play he's talking about, Mark? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, not, that's not a language barrier. That's just a basic rules question. You know, Paul usually doesn't ask very good questions. I thought the first question was really good, but, you know, he's back in character now with the second question. That's just his basic rules question. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah, you got to sit out for a play, and then there was a false start, and they never ran a play, so he has to stay out. I yeah. mean, he has to go. I mean, you can't – if you go out on first down, you have to sit out for a play, and there's a false start. You can't come back in on second down. You have to sit out second down. That's just a basic rules thing. Right, that's what I thought. I mean, as I well. think the Alabama coaches were trying to pull pull a fast one. They almost did over yeah. the officials, but uh, yeah, that's just a rules thing. Yeah, absolutely. Last one here comes from Michael Drew Caracas. Um, not sure if I pronounced that last name right. Uh, Michael, thank you for the question. Hey, Mark, how far up the draft boards has Quinnen Williams moved up this season, and should his New York Giants, his big New York Giants fans? Take him number one overall due to lack of a game changer at the quarterback being at the quarterback position being available this year. Well, you know, before the season started, I was talking about Quinn and Williams. All these, you know, prognosticators like Luke and Bill were talking about how uh, Alabama's defensive line was going to have some struggles with De'Ron Payne leaving. Uh, but I knew that wasn't true. I knew Quinn and Williams was going to step up. Uh, you know, I, I watched Quinn and Williams play when I went to one. I went to Winona. 
And I like going to Winona a lot. As you know, it's a lot safer than a place compared to, say, Hoover. Uh, but I knew Quentin Williams uh, when he was in high school was going to turn out to be a, a high draft pick. It's not a surprise to me that he's had what we call this breakout year. Uh, you know, I, so I knew at the beginning of the year, really when he was in high school, he could be eventually be a top five, maybe a top pick in the draft. Uh, so I can't say I'm surprised at all about this. My my good my good friend, uh, Coach Ronald Cheatham over Winona, really knows what he's doing. It really works for them to get him ready to go to Alabama, and then Coach Saban picked it up from there. So, uh, you know, other guys that might go in the top top of the draft, you know, Mackenzie Milton, I mentioned him already. He's a real game changer. So I don't think the Giants would go wrong by picking Mackenzie Milton uh, to lead their franchise. I think he's a guy who played in the NFL for two decades. Uh, break a lot of records and, and make really make Giants fans forget about uh, Eli Manning. So, you know, you're talking about not being a game changer at QB. I don't really agree with that uh, either because McKenzie Milton's sitting there on the board. But, but yeah, Quentin Williams, McKenzie Milton, they're both great players. And I think they both break, break fantastic first picks for whatever NFL team is, is picking there. Absolutely. And that will wrap up this edition of the Champs Corner featuring Mark Jennings' podcast. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, SoundCloud. You can follow me on Twitter at Drew Champlin, C-H-A-M-P-L-I-N. Follow Mark Jennings, Mark Jennings 55. Email the podcast for sponsorship opportunities to submit questions to recommend guests at markbreaksdownfilm at AOL.com. Uh, Mark, once again, I just want to thank you for uh, spending your Sunday night and recording with me. As always, Drew, you know it's my favorite part of the week. I hope we get to do it again next week and talk about the Saturday's games. And, and, and I'll be breaking down some more film this week, getting ready for the playoffs. And, you know, I got the dip and dot Saturday. So I got a busy week, Drew. Uh, but I can't wait to talk to you again on Sunday. Looks good. And we will talk to you guys later.